Welcome back to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B growth podcast. I'm Alex Hipwell with XGrowth, your co-host for this podcast, where you'll hear from B2B executives and sales and marketing roles on the newest and most effective strategies and tactics in the B2B space. Now, let's dive right into this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another podcast. I'm Shaheen Hoda with XGrowth, and today I'm talking to Mark McInnes. Chief Sales Officer at Mark McInnes Sales Training and author of Tactical Pipeline Growth. We're going to be talking about how to go about building a sales cadence for the Australian market and the Australian B2B buyer because there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of methodologies that come from places like the UK and the US and might not necessarily apply to what we have here. Now, on that note, let's dive in. Mark, thanks for joining us. Shaheen, thanks very much for letting me come on and, and have a chat. I really appreciate it. You've got a great community, so pleased to be part of it. Thank you. No, it's it's a pleasure to have you part of the uh, part of the community and have you on the on the uh, on the show. So thanks so much for joining us. Now, Mark, for those who might not be familiar with yourself or haven't heard of what you do, can you give us a quick background and, and intro? I talk a lot about my background, ex-military, ex-soldier, so I'm very much systems and processes orientated. We won't spend too much time on that. And as a result, I go into organizations and help them start new conversations, find new customers and, and start that first part of the pipeline, if you like. You know, prospecting is really my thing, particularly in the B2B space, and I help organizations start, start ethical conversations with their perfect clients. But very much systems and processes orientated, and that's why I use that military piece as the, as the introduction, because that might make a little bit of sense as we talk. <laughs> I love it. And, uh, you know, you recently wrote the book, A Tactical Pipeline Growth, and I read it and it's, there's just so much insight and amazing points in there. And I definitely have some questions and follow-up questions on, on some of the points that you've made there. But before we go, let's do a very quick, you know, kind of 30-second approach of why do we go about building a sales cadence? Why is that important? Because people don't answer the first outreach. So you and I think that our products and services are awesome. And we could write a really long email with all the reasons why our customers should engage with us. And we send that off. And we know that nine times out of 10, that's going to be deleted, even if it's we think it's a perfect email. Right? A single outreach just doesn't work. So if you have a look at your inbox, you have a look at your telephone or anything else, you know, there's a reason why marketers do retargeting, right? They send the same message to you multiple times because you just don't respond the first time. It's not because maybe you're not interested. It's because we just we don't accept messages that way. So we need to have a system in place, a process in place to deliver our message in an ethical way to our clients, our prospective clients, so that they're going to be able to hear what it is that we want to talk to them about. One outreach doesn't work. Yes. Money is in the follow-up, as they say, right? Now, how does one go about building a cadence? Like, what is that process? Like, do I just go and say, okay, I'm going to do one phone call and two emails and one phone call and then one voice message and that's my cadence. Hey, here we go. Like, what is the science behind it? How does that work? Okay, so you've got to start with really understanding your buyer. So what, what we talk about in the sales space, of course, is building out an ICP, you know, an ideal client profile. What do they look like? You know, what do they do with their day? What are their communication methods? You know, what are, how are they likely to respond? How are they less likely to respond? What communication channels do they use at the moment? So an example that I might use is, you know, sales directors, for example, you know, senior salespeople are significantly more likely to answer a telephone. We know that for a fact because they've spent a lot of time on their telephone, whereas senior HR leaders and marketing CMOs, et cetera, very shy to answer the telephone. 
You need to have a different method to be able to communicate to them. So we start at that very starting point and going, okay, what does our outreach look like? So what I call it smarter targeting. So we need to really hone in on our target audience and build out a communication channel that's going to support reaching out to those people. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. It does make sense. And I know from our previous conversation, you're a big fan of of quality versus quantity, right? In the sales sales space, you know, we talk a lot about quantities. Like, have you had your numbers? You know, have you you done 100 dials? No, let's do 150 dials. You haven't got results? Let's do 200 dials, right? Get your activities right. But you you also are a very strong believer of quality. What what do you mean by that? What does that mean? Well, you know, the thing that upsets my sales leaders that I talk about is, you know, I tell them that their sales team have probably got too many leads in the front of their pipeline. And of course, most people will tell you that there's not enough leads in the pipeline. And that's because, you know, a sales, let's just call them a rep, right? Whether they be an ADE or an SDR or the sales function is a representative, sales representative. So the sales rep has got so many leads in the front of their pipeline that they can't put them through any kind of deliberate follow-up sequence. So they make one phone call, they put them in the pipeline, they send them an email two weeks later, they call them again, you know, in three months time when they've got a a product or a promotion that comes out of marketing that they think might be suitable. It's just prospecting via mystery. You know, there's no... (laughs) There's no system in place. But when you go to look at those that salesperson's pipeline, they say, oh, yeah, I've got lots of deals in here. But, well, they're not deals. So what I'm suggesting is you should put five or 10 leads into the front of the pipeline and then pursue those five or 10 perfect clients all the way through a deliberate cadence to the point where we think that we're going to be likely to engage with them. And so instead of doing random acts of prospecting, we should be making deliberate acts and going, okay, Shahin is a perfect client for me. I've done the research. I'm now going to reach out over a set period of time in a set fashion that's going to be significantly more likely to get him to start a conversation with me than just, you know, calling every time I think about it or emailing every time I think about it or every time a promotion comes out. And and that that last example is pretty typical of what most businesses have. This is that, that very random acts of prospecting. Yeah, and just looking at the, if there is a set CRM, looking at the CRM and being like, uh, oh, you know, I got to probably should follow up with this person, not having a very clear visibility of when was it the last time that we followed up that it's that that system is really really important now i want to change gear a little bit here and talk about cadences and some of the differences based on culture and the geographical location that we're we're at right and we previously just before this started recording we talked about how things could be different in abu dhabi and the uae and how it could be different in malaysia and australia and there are also a lot of differences between what is happening in the US and what is happening in the UK versus what, what is in Australia. But what I also see is that in a lot of sense, there is a lot more outreach and sales activity happening in the US and the UK. And therefore, some of those methodologies kind of move to the Australian market and people start to adapting those. But the way we do business, the way we go about things are a little bit different in Australia. And therefore, some of those models might not necessarily work really well here. What is your experience? Is that, you know, have you experienced that or, you know, you're like not what works in the US works here over here as well, 100% of the time? Okay. So if I was to take, it very much depends on the persona inside the geography as well. So the geographical location. So this is what I mean by smarter targeting. We can't take an over, you can't just take a geographical view. You need to take a geographical view as well as the ICP. And then of the person that you're trying to reach as well as the industry. But we can come to that. So if you take one of the American software suppliers, you know, so companies like Outreach and those sorts of things that do automated cadences for, for 
sales functions. So, you know, sales enablement tools, very cool, great pieces of kit. And they supply a bunch of research around outreach. And it's all focused on the US market. And if you have a look at those, they'll tell you that outreach needs to last somewhere between 11 and 15 touches. And they'll say, typically, phone call in the morning, email in the afternoon, visit someone's LinkedIn profile. Three days later, email in the morning, another two days later, phone call, email. And and that's pretty much the process. There might be another social media interaction in there across those 11 to 12 touches, or 11 to 15 touches, I should say. So if I was reaching out to VP of sales, that's probably, you know, here in Australia, that's probably going to work because, again, as we mentioned, you know, VP of sales are pretty heavy on the phone front. But it's not going to work everywhere. And that's the danger is, is I actually have clients who have got these sales enablement tools use their standard outreach cadence and need to change it for our market. So in Australia, you would need to change that up to make, because we don't answer the telephone anywhere near as many, as often as, and as fast as what the US market does as an Australian outreach. And if we add, look at email, during COVID, I'm not sure if you've seen some of the stats that have come out of you know, people like HubSpot, for example, there's like a 40% increase in email volume. And this is in the sales space. In, in the marketing space, it was even more, but I don't know the numbers, so I'll talk to the sales space. 40% increase in email volume from in sales and a 30% decrease off baseline in response rates. So there's a 40% increase in volume off baseline and off baseline, there's a 30% decrease in response rates. So people aren't answering emails you know so what are you going to do so you take those standard cadences and apply that today in a time when people are desperate to start new business conversations with their clients if you take one of those standard cadences that you know everyone says is fantastic call in the morning email in the afternoon you know i've just given you some examples where you're going to be significantly unsuccessful and your reps are going to stop your sales reps are going to stop following that cadence after they get to seven or eight and they've been unsuccessful if we add some different methods in there, then we can increase the chances that someone's going to pick up a telephone or engage with. And so I'd be advocating, and I'm assuming this is the next thing you're going to ask, is what would they look like? Yes, that's right. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> it would, would be things like text message. You know, I know in Australia, people are going to go, oh, no, don't text me. You know, uh, <laughs> a text message, voicemail, and people are going to say only 30% of people are going to answer voicemail. Yep, that's right. But these are exactly why we need to add different methods. Direct mail where, you know, just it could be something as simple as getting your favorite piece of content, printing it off in black and white, writing on a post-it note, hey, Shaheen, thought this was particularly interesting for you, really thought the second page was going to have the most impact because you're in B2B marketing, stick it in an envelope, write on it, post it, send it to your desk. Ring up two days later, hey, did you get the, the letter that I sent you? Cheap, easy, scalable, a bit old school. But if you've got something on your desk and then you're getting a couple of phone calls and text message and I'm visiting your LinkedIn profile and maybe I'm sending you a LinkedIn invite as well, you know, you're building up a story. And that's what I talk about, you know, like as we have a, a story, instead of trying to get the knockout meeting with one email that people aren't going to read anyway, like build a story, build up some prospecting pressure to try and start the conversation so that after you've had four or five touches across multiple platforms, you're like, you know what, this guy, this girl obviously has a message that they think is very important for me. I'm going to take the call. I'm going to take the email. So let, let me ask you, so how many, so think about people that's, that send you spam emails. You know, the classic is the SEO. How many times do they reach out to you before they stop? Look, majority do one or two, right? And I think that's, that's a big problem. But I think, you know, it's an interesting question that you bring up. Uh, how many times do they reach out? Even if they reach out multiple times, I think one of the mistakes that a lot of people make is that we reach out multiple times through one channel only, right? It's just through email. 
there might be one additional component that they would put put maybe a LinkedIn invite in there, but that's it. And I think there is a lot of they leave a lot on the table by not utilizing a lot of things that you talked about, direct mail, you know, being even more active on LinkedIn, uh, phone calls. You know, there's a especially in the smaller businesses of maybe 100 or 150 and, above, and, and below, there is a resistance on making cold phone calls. Have you experienced that as well? Yeah, there, there is. And that's because, you know, people don't want to be seen as unethical. Like salespeople want to be professional. Salespeople typically understand the value that they bring to their clients when they're successful. Right? So when people buy your products and services, they get a real benefit out of it. They get a result. So we, if you have that right mindset going into the conversation, you shouldn't have any cold call reluctance, but, but they do. And I think this is part of the challenge is you need to set salespeople up in the first instance that with the right mindset, they're going to have a conversation with people and the products and services that the vendor supplies is of real value, you know, so that you're actually bringing something that's going to be worthwhile to the person on the other end of the telephone. And I think once you've got that mindset, it's significantly easier for you to build out cadences like this because you know that once you've had the conversation, the worst thing they could possibly say is, you know what, great conversation, we've already got one. You know? <laughs> you know, I'm and, not interested, thank you very much. And I've had that, you know, other people are like, oh, this is, a, this is a great initiative, but I'm not interested right But now. it's not for me. Yeah. 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 So, but too many salespeople come at it from a features and benefits side, right? So they go, oh, you know, we've got, we're selling some security software and, you know, you just plug it in and we've got six more USB outports in, than this competitor. Our download speed's three times faster. You know, like no one cares about that stuff, right? <laughs> you know, but if they said, look, chances are you're running a lot of Zoom meetings and I bet you hate it when you freeze up. Well, you know why that is? That's because you're probably on not a good enough plan and, and you need to get a, a faster download speed. We can help you with that. Is that something that's going to, that would make your day easier? Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's about moving away from it. But salespeople aren't so good at that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting there. We're getting there. Hey, it's Alex from Xgrowth. I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about the Growth Colony Slack channel. Do you ever find yourself stuck with a B2B problem? Need a second opinion on your next campaign? Or looking for some feedback on that piece of MarTech you're thinking to purchase? Well, that's why we created the Growth Colony Slack channel. This Slack channel is like a small dinner party where you get to meet and mingle with B2B professionals, hear what others are doing, and keep up to date with the latest B2B trends and news. You'll also get access to a range of exclusive content from our podcasts, webinars, and events. The best thing about it, it's all free. If this sounds interesting, head over to growthcolony.org forward slash slack and sign up. That's growthcolony.org forward slash slack. In your book, you talk about building your own cadence and you talk about the eight-week kind of cycle plus one week for going back into the cycle. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I understand that, that starting a process like this can be difficult. So I've broken it down into a process. Again, this is this military training <laughs> where people can start almost immediately. So if you think about a typical outreach in a B2B situation, I might say, how long do you think we should be pursuing X growth for to start a conversation? And the sales rep might say, well, eight weeks would be a reasonable amount of time. And they say, okay, well, how often do you think we should reach out? So, And this is where it's a little bit different to America. In America, they'd say, oh, three times a week. 
So in Australia, for example, we're more likely to say probably once a week, maybe once every four business days. But to make it easy for our maths, let's say once a week. So, okay, so we've decided that an ethical outreach strategy to start a conversation with, um, with your business would be eight weeks. We're going to have one outreach a week. That means we need to plan eight strategies. Each outreach strategy needs to have multiple touches. So, for example, that might be, we should definitely start with a, an email and a phone call. So, introductory email, introductory phone call. And it might be a visit of their profile. We're now, so we can figure out how to do that. We can build that script in possibly half an hour. Okay, and we've probably got the email ready to go because we've got an introductory email. We deliver that across those three or four or five prospects. The next thing we do is we go and prepare for next week's content. So next week we might decide that we're going to send another email. Maybe we're going to make a phone call, leave a voicemail and send them a text message. So we can prepare that content now, so the start of week one, in preparation for week two. So there's no need for us to go and build out a whole bunch of marketing collateral or sales collateral because we can build it as we go. So the first week, if we put five customers, five prospects into the pipeline, into the cadence, we've got to send five emails and make five phone calls, right? The second week, we add another five in and they get that first week's activity. And the first week becomes moves into the second week. Because we've already prepared the content for the first week, we don't need to prepare anything for the second group of five. We've already got it. So all we need to do is take action. I've done my sums on six minutes per outreach each or outreach attempt so each attempt is multiple channel so at the same time i would call you may or may not leave a voicemail but let's just say i call you you don't pick up i then send you a follow-up email i go and visit your linkedin profile that's one attempt multiple channels all happening straight away okay total preparation time all i need to do is have a script for the phone call you're probably not going to answer anyway and an introductory email. I'm not asking for the knockout punch because I know that I'm going to tell a story across the eight-week period. I've now got those resources and every time I put somebody into the first week of the funnel, I just regurgitate and do exactly the same thing. The second week, we move the first group along to the second week. We conduct the second week's activity, which could be you know, an email, another phone call. We might leave a voicemail this time and we might leave a text message. So we prepared that content the week before. At the end of our outreach on week two, we've now got 10 prospects in the pipeline so that might take a maximum of 60 minutes worth of outreach in total. And we spend 20 minutes preparing for the third week's outreach. And we might know, you know what, let's make a video message. Let's video ourselves talking against their LinkedIn profile. So when it lands in their email, you know, there's a picture of the prospect and me in the corner saying, hey, how are you going? You know, I've been trying to reach out over the last couple of weeks. I think there's really valuable reasons for us to have a conversation, X, Y, Z. I thought I'd send a video message just to break up the routine. What I'm going to do is reach out again next week. I'm really looking forward to having a chat, that sort of thing. So we then start to prepare next week. So we're now up to week four. We've got 15 people in the pipeline and we're about to put our 20th people in, five people per week. I then write a little, I go to the printer, I print out my favorite case study. I write a little hand note. Hey, Shaheen, thought you'd like this case study. It's really relevant because X, Y, Z. Please go straight to page four. I've highlighted the areas that I think is most valuable for you. Put it in an envelope, handwrite it, stick it in the mail. When I ring next week, guess what? I can say, hey, Shaheen, did you get the letter I sent you last week? And it doesn't matter whether it's arrived yet or not, right? So if you get a letter from somebody, they've been to your LinkedIn profile, you've got a message on your mobile phone, like you're starting to think this is unusual. Now, I get that these, all these channels aren't going to work for everybody. But as you build, you know, so people on, on a construction site might not have as much access to email, you know what I mean? But they're going to be more likely to answer their mobile telephone. People that are sitting behind a desk, for example, may not answer their telephone and may just let every single one of those slide through. But if you can refer to the, your phone calls, they're going to start to go, I can see how this guy's or this girl's reaching out. They've obviously got something of value. Let's have a conversation. 
as you highlighted, the, the bar for most outreach is so low, two or three emails. If we're really lucky, two or three emails and a phone call, that's it. So if you can make a message that's ethical, short, uses influence, as in you know persuasion, and is targeted, personalized, there's a high probability you're going to get a very high success rate. And so I've got B2B teams that are getting response rates of 60%. So if we put five people into an eight-week cadence, by the time we get to the end of the eight weeks, there's only two people who haven't responded. And I want to be clear here, right? So we may well have had one of those three that have responded that have said no. And through our professional persistence, we're going to get more no's, physical no's, responding than just people ignoring us because of the persistence. Yeah. And, and you want to get to no, right? Because no allows you to say, all right, this is out. I don't need to spend any more time on it. Put in fresh uh, prospects that I can follow through. So that's amazing to get to know. It's not, it's not a bad thing if, if somebody's listening be like, oh, well, they just said no. That's what's the point of it. But it's the connect rate, which is really important. 60% is, is amazing. And then refilling that pipeline. That's really cool. And I really like your approach with drip feeding those numbers at the beginning, because I feel like, you know, in a lot of situations for salespeople, there is a massive barrier of, okay, who am I going to reach out to? I got to prepare this list. I got to have this maybe 200 people that I want and I have to like get their LinkedIn profiles and now, and I have to get insights on them and what they're talking about and get their email addresses and all that stuff. And that could be extremely daunting and could really kill someone's, let's call it stamina, or that just, you know, the flow of going ahead and reaching out to people. And it just kind of could, you know, building a proper list could take a month, right? And it completely derails the whole process. I really like that approach of put five in, do some work, put another five, put another five. That's really awesome. What about, you know, you talked about voice messaging over here, and I'd, I'd love to get your input on that as well. How do you go about structuring a voice message? You know, is it, uh, is it the bland, you know, hey, this is this person. I'd like to have a chat if you could give me a call back. Or there is, is it, you, do you keep it super simple or, uh, or there is an art to it? Well, I don't think there's an art to it, but, but there, I certainly do something or subscribe, prescribe something a little bit different. And I don't expect a phone call back. I tell my clients not to expect a call back on the voice message, on voicemail. And I don't think many people are listening to voicemails these days. I think there's a small section of the community, maybe 30% that do. But because 30% do, that's a pretty good response rate or that's a pretty good open rate, for want of a better word. So I would just say, hey, Shohan, it's Mark. You know, I've just sent you an email two minutes ago or I've just called you and couldn't get through. What I'm going to do is I'm going to try again next week. There's a bunch of resources I've sent through in the email. Look forward to speaking shortly. So I wouldn't even ask for a call back. So it's really just part of that touch that's building a story. When you build out a cadence, you remove the necessity for every touch to be a winner. There's less pressure. Right? So if you know that you're going to reach out eight times and you're going to use two or three vehicles, two or three channels every time, that's 16 to 24 touches. So if my voicemail doesn't work, that's one of 24. I've still got 23 left. If my first email doesn't work, which it won't, I've still got 22 left. If he doesn't respond to my connection request, it's cool. I've still got 21 left. What I see time and time again, I go into businesses and their emails are like every single reason possible why you must take a meeting. You know, like we're the best. We're ranked number one. We work with BHP. We've worked with Rio Tinto. You know, we've worked with Coca-Cola. We've da 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 You know, oh, and we've written a book. And, you know, here's a link to my blog. And here's a link to my you know, LinkedIn profile. And, 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 and. And you're like, you, and what happens is it looks like sales spiel, right? Like vomit. When it lands in your inbox, it looks like everything else. Like, oh man, that's killing me. Delete. It could have been the best message. It could have been the best product in the world. 
So if you take that typical outreach and spread that across four emails, I did this last night with a team in, in Middle Asia, in Vietnam and Thailand. So, you know, they literally, their first email was all of those things. Everything we've got is there. We just need to break that up into four emails. So I had a link to a blog, the 16 reasons why people should engage with them, you know, all their authority pieces. I said, oh, great, let's just use that and that email, this and that one. The voicemail piece, I think you, t- you use the same approach. And then what I do immediately after that, and this is where I get some pushback until people have tried it, is as soon as you've sent a voicemail, you send your business card in a text message. So you know how I can send your details to somebody else? So you create your own business card in your, in your mobile phone, right? So I've got Mark McGuinness, my email address, my phone number, my business name, all that stuff, right? You haven't picked up your phone. I've left a message that said, hey, you know, this is why I'm calling. Completely understand you're not picking up. I'll send you an email. Have a look at some detail in there. I then send you a text message that says, hey, Shaheen, completely understand you're not picking up a mobile number you didn't know. Here's my contact details. Going to be reaching out over the next couple of weeks to try and have a conversation. Best, Mark. That's it. All I'm trying to do is get in their mobile phone. And you'll be surprised. People will respond and say, oh, cool. Can you call me tomorrow? Can you call me next week? Like that actually happens. So you're not pushing, but people will open that. We've got a 97% open rate of text messages in Australia. So people will see that. They'll then go, hang on, I've got an email in my inbox two two seconds later because you've sent the little template. And we're not massive emails. It's just like, hey, Shahin, these are the things I want to talk to you about. I think they're important for you because this is how we should respond. And that's it. And then you're going, okay, this person is starting to surround me in in a nice way. Next minute, you're on the bus when we used to get on public transport and you'll be on your, <laughs> you'll be on LinkedIn and you go, Oh, someone's sent me a connection request. Someone's viewed my profile. Oh, it's Mark again. Nobody prospects this way. But if you believe that what you take into the marketplace, if you believe what you deliver to your customers has real commercial value, why wouldn't you be persistent enough to take this approach? Multi-channel, multi-threaded. That's right. That's right. I love it. There is so much that you've talked about that salespeople should include their cadence that they're not. You talked about video, you talked about direct mail, you talked about text message. Is there something that you think it's like a no, especially for the Australian market, it's a no-no or, you know, it's a bit iffy to kind of have in a cadence you've come across and you're like, not so sure if we should do that. Yeah. So look, I would say that text message and phone calls in some sectors of the Australian market don't go down very well. So I've spent a year prospecting for an organization to a head of HR, like very senior HR at in you know Australia's top 20 organizations. They don't take kindly to unsolicited phone outreach. So I would be reluctant. So my advice would be not to do that in that marketplace. And this is why the building out of your ICP is very important because I think you need to find a more credible way to get there. These people are, are decision makers you know, spending a lot of money and they do get a lot of merch sent their way, you know, a lot of, you know, books, that sort of thing. So I would be an advocate of a handwritten note, you know, that I mentioned before, that's going to have a significant higher level of cut through something that's authentic. And the reason why I said before, when I said, send the direct message, send the direct mail is highlight the pieces that are important is we're still asking people to donate some time to read a piece of content or to read, you know, whatever it is that we send them. If we can cut to the chase and say, look, the second paragraph on page two is the piece I really want you to have a look at. The reciprocity angle has just gone through the roof because, okay, this person's just sent me the information plus they've saved me a whole bunch of time and I can consume this information in three minutes. You know, how many people have sent you a white paper with four pages and you've gone, I bet you there's some value in there, but I've never read it. I'm not going to touch it. That's right. I'm like, (laughs) there are so many white papers on my desktop waiting right now to be read. (laughs) 
In fact, it's there's so many, I had to create a folder, grab all of them and put it in there. And guess what? That is never gonna get open. It gets open in very, very rare cases. And yeah, you're right. <laughs> when you put something else in there. That's, <laughs> that's it. That's the only time. So uh, you're right. And making it easy for them, making it in a way that they don't need to think, it becomes super fluid, is so super important. It also shows that you, you bloody care, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So you're lifting the, the level of authenticity. You're also lifting the level of them really understanding that you're not just, this is not a, a tactic that you do to a thousand people at once, right? Mm. Because you, how many handwritten notes can you send out in a day? Well, you can probably send 50. But you've got to remember that most salespeople in Australia are managing both existing business and new business. So if they can do five brand new prospecting activities into their pipeline, five brand new prospects into their cadence every week, I think that's a win because then using our eight-week example, they're going to be managing a maximum of 40. Most salespeople don't have that many new opportunities in the front of their pipeline. They might have 40 names. They might have 100 names, like I said before, but they're not deliberately pursuing them to have a conversation. That's very true. Now, this has been very insightful and it's just been a lot of golden nuggets being thrown around. Before we wrap up, is there anything that you think I didn't ask that that could be valuable from the conversation that we had that, that you want to cover? So maybe the biggest blowback that we get is that people just think this is significantly hard to implement. And the reality is the very starting point, we have to get our salespeople and put them aside and really start with what are the outcomes that we produce for our clients? So the stronger that the sales rep, I'm using that as an umbrella term, understands the commercial output or the commercial results that our clients get, the stronger they're going to be able to hold the cadence. So if they know that this, you know, I'm selling to CFOs and that you know, the product or service that I produce means that the CFO has more clarity if it's a CRM tool or the CFO can forecast in more with more accuracy, for example, and you can take those conversations all the way to the CFO, you're going to be more likely to stay with the cadence. The challenge is that most sales reps will go, I'm not comfortable sending out a video. I, I don't, I'm not sure I should be texting. When you realize how important those conversations actually are, you're going to push through those barriers and go, yep, I deserve to have this conversation. And that's the hardest challenge, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's solid. You have to believe that you are the price, right? Yeah. And that's going to allow you to push through that. There was a point that you previously mentioned, and I said this is going to be the last one, but I really want to dig <laughs> a little bit into that. You mentioned that in, in Australia, a lot of salespeople manage both existing clients and they have to generate new opportunities. Do you think that's a flawed model? Like, do you think we need to move away from that and have that kind of SDRAE model or no, that's, that's not going to work? What are your thoughts on that? Okay, so there's actually a lot of conversation at the moment that the SDR model is on the decline globally, and I agree. In Australia, and this is the reason why I've developed this methodology specifically for us here in APAC, is that we don't have 350 million people. In America, you can burn through leads really quickly. In Australia, you can't. We don't have the same amount of people you know, New Zealand's even less, Singapore's, you know, only got 25 million people. So, you know, so each one of those regions, we just don't have the opportunities that we do in, in America. So I would say, no, we should be staying with that sort of senior BDM, senior AE that also has to find their new business, partly because they can carry that conversation that I just talked about more strongly. If you're part of, you know, if I'm in your business and can see the results that, I'm, that our products and services are creating at a commercial outcome or a commercial business outcomes, I can then take that back to my prospects and say, look, I've just helped a business just like yours that's got 40 people that's in the marketing space. And these are the great results they're getting using our tool. I think you're going to benefit from having a conversation at the very least. I can share some insights. If you're an SDR, 
Typically, they start at a relatively young salespeople. They don't have that commercial view. They're stuck with the quality of their scripts. It's hard to write a script that's going to bring commercial insights. So I think the BDM model or the, or the salesperson doing both new and existing is probably here to stay and the SDR model will be on the way out. Very interesting. All right. Well, Mark, thank you very much for this chat. I definitely enjoyed it. And I think a lot of the listeners will get a lot out of it as well. So thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. My pleasure. And thanks very much. Hey, it's Alex again from X-Growth. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you take a moment to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It would really help get the word out to other B2B professionals. If you're hungry for more B2B content, make sure to join our Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack, where we share the latest B2B news tactics, tips, and chat about problems we're facing in the B2B space and find solutions together. That's growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you in the next episode.